This is David Rovix, and you are tuned to 3CR, 8.55 a.m., Melbourne, Australia. Step three is finding there's a tactic when everyone believes it could be true. That if all the people work collectively, there just might be something we can do, and everything can change. Welcome to the Climate Action Radio Show, which can be heard on Community Radio 3CR in Melbourne and Skid Row in Sydney. My name is Vivian Langford, and salut Babette. We'd like to pay our respects to elders past and present and pay tribute to the decades-long legacy of Aboriginal fights for land rights and against the destructive mining projects that are fueling climate change. In particular, we acknowledge the Wangan and Jagalingu cultural custodians and their ongoing opposition to coal mining on their lands in central Queensland and to the Gomorrah traditional custodians continuing opposition to coal and gas on their land in New South Wales. It is vital at this late stage in history that we all learn to care for country. It will always be Aboriginal land, and now is our time to all stand up for and protect it. Welcome to the Climate Action Radio Show. Lots of people have already donated at a fundraising concert um, that I had up here in Sydney. Uh, I hope lots of Melbourne listeners will ring in. This is my first live show since COVID. Thanks to Michaela, Juliet and Rachel who have helped me do this today. If you would like to ring in a donation, please call Melbourne 039419-8377. After the break, we'll be talking to Peter Bennett. And even subtropical rainforests that don't usually burn, we're actually on fire. We have the obligation to care for country. So much forest burnt that around 3 billion animals are either killed or displaced. The more we push back against the colonial apparatus, the more positive change we can have in terms of addressing climate change. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. 3CR Radiothon. Show your support during June 2023. Well, this is a thrill being back on live radio. And I have a donation here from a Sydney listener called Peter Bennett. It's in his daughter's name. So I guess he is thinking of the next generation. Peter has turned up at several of the Move Beyond Coal actions and one was a sit-in at the NAB Bank headquarters. And as I looked around, the dozen or so eminent citizens quietly seated in the foyer, I thought, what a capable group they are. These are the sort of people who know what to do for the common good. Now, I think, Peter, you have been a doctor in charge of an emergency department. Tell us about that and the qualities needed to keep your head in a crisis. Oh, thanks, Vivian, and and thanks for your program. I think, uh, well, emergency, it's a stressful place. I think the main thing I learned there was about working with a team, the nurses, ambulance, paramedics, and the other paramedical administration people. Uh, And I guess I think the training and the team is what makes the work 
possible. As I started work in emergency 45 years ago, and I was walking down George Street the other day, and I saw the memorial plaque outside the Hilton Hotel, and it reminded me a couple of weeks after I started work there was that awful bomb explosion there. Um, emergency departments have really evolved a lot since then because it wasn't even a recognised specialty in those days. And the service they, they offer is way beyond what we could do uh, then, but uh, they're still stressful places to work, and I think maybe that's increased. Yeah, well, climate change is requiring all of us to do that sort of teamwork now, isn't it? And Radiothon is our time to celebrate, you know, the kind of community, grassroots radio. Do you feel the media keeps the causes of global warming sufficiently in the public mind? Well, I think I think there are people in the media doing a great job with objective reporting of global warming, but but it has become a bit of a background issue. And I think uh, one of the reasons for our actions on climate change is we want to bring it back to headline news uh, across the media, the mainstream media reporting it. Um, and uh, I guess the other thing is that climate change has become a victim of partisan politics so that objective reporting gets labelled as negative or left-wing by some of the media and by politicians who should know better. And some of them seem to want business as usual and support increasing coal and gas mining in direct opposition to what the expert scientific evidence and international uh, statements, consensus, say. Yeah, well, um, what about community media? You know, community gives it like the the voices who are not heard in the main media. Do you notice that community media's, media gives them more of a platform? Sorry, say that again. Sorry, again. Yeah, community 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 media. Where does that fit in? Oh well, I think that dedicated. Uh, programs like uh, like this, uh, they, they have the focus that, that we need because uh, I think that it's uh, it, it's the key issue for our time, and I think that's uh, community radio uh, can speak to us on these topics without um, without the vested interests that maybe influence other media. Yeah. Peter, what else would you like to say from your career? I'm thinking as a doctor, heat waves are going to be a big feature and you've worked in remote communities. What would you like to say? Well, I guess I'm basically a middle-of-the-range baby boomer and I... I, I'm also one of these people who had free education, as my generation did. I, I know life has been very generous to me. I've had a, a good career as, as a doctor, and I also know our generations contributed enormously to the problems of pollution and global warming that, that the world's facing now, and I think we owe it 
to the grandchildren of today and to future generations that they inherit a world that's still good to live in. And I really hope and what I want is that institutions such as banks, and we're focusing on National Australia Bank uh, at present, will see their obligation to the future and stop funding the destruction of the environment through coal mining and gas exploration and fracking. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Peter. You're, you're a very dignified presence in those um, bank headquarters just sitting there quietly, and uh, I don't think anyone can miss it, that these people, the elders now, a lot of us are elders in the community, are sort of saying we, we want to give back something for all that, as you say, the generosity we've received. So thank you very much, and thanks for the donation. Melbourne listeners, would you please help us reach our target. I want to actually get better than last year's target. A bit more than $2,500 I want to get, and we're halfway there. Please phone in a donation. The number is Melbourne 03 94198377. And after a short break, we'll be back with Coral Bleach. Now, she loves the big oil and gas companies. Stay tuned, stay radical. 3CR Radiothon Fundraiser, June 2023. To donate, call the station 03 9419 8377 or donate online, 3cr.org.au. 3CR Radiothon 2023. Stay tuned, stay radical. not meant to have anything nuclear in our country. It's really important and urgent that, that Australia get serious about nuclear disarmament. Well, nobody anywhere on the planet has figured out how to deal with highly radioactive waste. Most of those who've managed nuclear weapons consider this to be the most dangerous time that we've ever lived in, with the danger of nuclear war at unprecedented levels. 3CR. Stay tuned. Stay radical. 3CR Radiothon. Show your support during June 2023. You're listening to the Radio Fun Hour for the Climate Action Show on Radio 3CR. And just while we're waiting for Coral Bleach, I'd like to thank donors so far. These are the names I have. Warren Talbot, Lionel Robson, Helen Sanderson, Cecilia Fuentes and Barbara Dutton. They were at a fundraising concert up here and they were, there were many more who donated but didn't want to be named. And now we've got Coral Bleach and she's a different sort of activist. When she heard the group Market Forces had shamed her favourite super companies with the Super Dirty Gas Awards, she dashed down to the Superannuation Funds Conference so welcome, Coral. What did you tell them? Oh, darling, darling, you just wouldn't believe the case of mistaken identity that's went, gone down. And people just don't realise. See, Coral Bleach was there giving the awards. And now, it's very important listeners know this. See, the top investor as a percentage of their Australian shares in super funds for for investing in our beloved Santos and Woodside 
are equipped super. And then there was colonial, colonial first state and then rest. So these are very, very important, these, these super funds for propping up business as usual, for the, for the carbon, you know, the billionaire carbon barons that desperately need this, this um, lovely money. Well, who are these super funds that you like so much and what investment advice could you give listeners? Well, this is the thing. This is the thing about Equip Super. That's number one. Don't forget it. A colonial first state, second place, and rest third best. So these super funds, they have this default thing. So these, you know, these just peeps who, you know, put their money in their super, and, you know, they don't need to know much about things. You know, everything's fine. Just, you know, leave it to us, right? So uh, this default actually invests their money in, in you know, Santos and Woodside are, you know, the sweetie preciouses who keep us billionaire carbon barons, you know, affluent. So it works very well, you know. <laughs> did, did, um, how, how do they, do they give you donations, Coral? Do they like you to come and give, you know, because they're so loyal to the fossil fuel industry, do they... Donate anything to your cause? Well, if you see, I am them. And I don't know if you noticed, but I mean, there's some lovely photos from, from that day. And unfortunately, they confused Coral Bleach uh, for an uh, extremist, elitist, greenest. Um, <laughs> and that was very, very disturbing since the poor Coral for, for me. And in fact, they weren't even going to let me into the conference. But of course, I did get in, which, um, you know, because I'm very rich and very important. And I did get in. And, and there was some lovely security officers who um, then again confused me with market forces and threw me out again. But I was there and I was there to thank all of the lovely people for, for investing in uh, coral bleach and, um, you know, my fellow um, billionaire carbon barons. You know, um, gas is very, it's very clean, it's very green, it's, it's natural, isn't it? Gas, natural yes. gas. Perfectly <laughs> Natural gas, well, they got the prizes, dirty gas. Do you object to them calling it that? Oh, it must have been a typo. <laughs> Did you see my green dress? And I even have green shoes. Coral bleach <laughs> has a fabulous bright green petrochemical dress and fabulous green shoes. So everything's fine. Go home to your houses. It's all fine. And it's business as usual, and it works very well. <laughs> well, look, we're talking a lot about money tonight, Coral, and I haven't noticed any donations flowing into uh, Radio 3CR from Rio Tinto or Santos. And I think maybe because some of my other guests have called them climate criminals. Why do you think they never bother to come on community radio? Oh, darling, they're just too rich and important. And they don't like community things. They, I mean, you, you know, community things are very, you know, um, they're kind of a nuisance, really. We you know, um, the thing about us uh, billionaires is that, you know, we're just above all that, really. So, you know, I, carry on with your, you know, democracy, but, um, you know, it, it, things are working very well for us, you know. Um, that's just the way it is. Sorry. And, and really, I think they don't like the oppression, you know? I think it's a bit oppressive when people are a bit mean about, um, you know, affluence. Yeah. Well, no, they like donations. They do give donations to other people, but not to us. 
No, no. And of course, you know, we don't like to be too public with our donations and we particularly don't like paying taxes. I mean, that's very discriminatory and very oppressive. <laughs> Business just don't like that and that just must be understood perfectly well, okay? Well, thank you for talking to us on King Charles's birthday, Coral. And I wondered, is there anything else you'd like to say to our richer listeners? Oh, yes. Well, <laughs> you know how to invest and you know where to find us. And, you know, that child, he's a bit of a nuisance too, isn't he? Going with all of his greenest, you know, oppressive business. I mean, all you need really is just, some, you know, a nice green frock and some green shoes and everything's fine. Isn't that right, darling Bib? Isn't that right? <laughs> well, I think you've been thoroughly greenwashed, and I'm glad that you know coming on this show will you know broaden people's knowledge of who you are. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, sweetie precious. <laughs> bye bye. So that was Coral Bleach, and thank you to her manager Deb Hart for helping Coral green up her image by donating to Radiothon. Um, look, we're aiming to beat our last year's record of twenty five. Uh, 2,500, not 25,000. I was going to say 25,000. It was only 2,500. That's not much to raise. And I think we are halfway there. Stay tuned. Stay radical. If you're marooned, take a sabbatical. It might get lampooned. It might have ballooned. But 3CR heals all wounds, it's indefatigable. I bet you swooned, or I never crooned. Since the days of wine and roses pruned, no one's immune. Stay tuned. Stay radical! You know what to do. Donate to the Radiothon by calling 94198377 or going to 3cr.org.au and help keep us on air. Dad, shut up already! What do we want? When do we want it? What do we want? Climate justice, when do we want it? What do we want? When do we want it? What do we want? When do we want it? What do we want? When do we want it? Pledge now, pay later. Did you know that you can pledge your support to 3CR Radiothon now and pay up later? Call the station during business hours on 94198377 and tell us what you'd like to donate and then pay your donation later. 3CR Radiothon 2023, stay tuned, stay radical. Before we speak to Peter Sainsbury, a big thanks to Anna Carmody, Rosa Langford, Vicky Sharp, Jane Roberts, Lisa Clegg, Rebecca Bishop, and Jerry Langford. So now we're going to talk to Peter Sainsbury. Are you there, Peter? I am, Vivian. Oh, great. Look, Peter Sainsbury is an old friend of this show and a climate campaigner. Welcome, Peter, and tell us how you are celebrating the King's birthday. <laughs> I have to confess, I don't think I've done anything. Oh, um, no. 
it's just been a pretty routine day. I, you know, got up, went for a walk, came back, had my breakfast, and you know, I mean, chugging along with various things during the day. So no, I haven't done anything so far. Oh. <laughs> well, Peter, would you speak to the listeners about why it's so important to donate to community radio? Well, basically. Whilst I'm sure most of us do rely upon the mainstream media a lot of the time, the newspapers and the television and the sort of mainstream radio for news and updates, it's all pretty narrow. You get a pretty singular view of things and lots of the journalists are really sort of just looking after their uh, relationships with the politicians or the military or whoever it is. And what we need more, independent journalism like this radio station, um, and like Pearls and Irritations that I write for every week, where you get a real diversity of views and um, really tapped into the community. So I'm fully supportive of of organisations like yours. I think they're absolutely getting more and more necessary, um, apart from being getting better and better as well. Yeah. Well, look, your articles in Pearls and Irritations are excellent, and listeners, you can find a link to that. I'll put that on the show notes, Pearls and Irritations. But you're a doctor, and you rode a long way from your career in human health, and I'd like to ask you today about this article you've written about getting our relationship with nature more on track. Yeah, well, it's an interesting idea, this sort of thing about... You know, do we do we have a good relationship with nature? And I have to confess, it's not a question I'd ever really thought about until about 15 years ago. Ever since I was a child, I grew up in England, as pretty obvious to your listeners, and I've always been keen on walking in the countryside. I was brought up in a small country town and right on the edge of town, so I could go for walks in the country and see animals and birds and walk along streams and, you know, get to know the trees. But it was just something I did. I never really thought about it, except I enjoyed doing it. But it was only about 25 years ago that I really started to think of myself as a a, a real sort of environmental activist rather than a nature lover. Um, and then, I don't know, as I say, about 15 years ago, I heard um, David Suzuki speak at the Opera House, and he talked about this relationship between humans and nature. I'd never really thought about it. But since then, I have been thinking about it, and it's it's obvious that we've completely changed in the West and in developed countries the way we regard nature. Um, I'm sure if we went back in in Europe, in uh, European civilizations and so on, we'd find that, that those had a much closer relationship with nature than, than they do now, much more akin to, say, indigenous relationships with nature or some other religions. But, but in the West, in, in Europe and particularly in North America and particularly with the advent of capitalism and so on, we've come to regard nature as just something that exists for us, that we're entitled to, that we can exploit at any time. It's got no intrinsic value. And the problem with that is that that we've we've just been taking and taking and taking from it, whether we're we're dropping the trees in forests, whether we're getting rid of natural grasslands, whether we're destroying um, 
the oceans by overfishing and polluting them with plastic, whether we're getting rid of wetlands that are so essential for birds and amphibians and so on, and as well as digging up coal and gas and oil. We've just been taking, 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 and what we see these days is that the Earth is, is no longer able, we're exhausting its resources, and it's no longer able to, to, to provide us with, with a safe home anymore. We are destroying it because we're destroying that relationship with nature. And what I think we need is much more of a relationship that's akin to the, the one that indigenous peoples have, not just indigenous peoples here in Australia, but including them, but people in the Pacific, people in South America, people in Africa, people in India as well, to have a much more reciprocal relationship with nature. They, they see themselves as just being part of the whole. So, and they, they have an obligation to, to look after nature and not take too much from it because nature looks after them. And we need to return to more of that sort of relationship of reciprocity and respect for nature, and not just seeing it as something that we can benefit from, that we can take from, that exists exist just for us. And I'm sure that many of your listeners are, are Christians, but I think we also have to look at our Christian uh, sort of teachings. I, I'm not a Christian, but I was brought up in the Church of England, but many Christian teachings emphasize that, that you know, Humans, man, as it says in the Bible, but humans have sort of domain over nature. They're for us to dominate. And I think, you know, that's a reflection of this sort of really unhelpful relationship between that's developed between humans and nature, particularly in the West and particularly with capitalism, that has seen it as just something to be exploited for a profit. So that's what I was trying to say in the article, that we need to, to, to get back to a, a much more healthy, a much more sustainable, a much more respectful relationship with nature. And I don't just by that mean animals and plants. I also mean the physical aspects of nature, mountains and rivers um, and so on. So that's what I was trying to say in the article. Yeah, well, we won't. We'll talk to you another time about that. And listeners, Peter's article's got a very interesting thing about rivers being sort of rewilded and rivers that were straightened out before. And it's happened in Australia too, in country, in farms. You know, they've made the rivers meander so that they slow them down and they stop eroding. And they, the rivers themselves are more healthy, back to the shape they usually were. And just like a human being, becomes more healthy when it's restored to its natural sort of equilibrium. So really I'd like to thank you Peter for talking to us today and donating and uh, keep up your good writing. Oh thank um, you very much. Actually I jumped the gun. I, I, uh, I made a donation last week so yes I'd encourage all your listeners to chip oh, in whatever they can. Yeah, Good listeners did you hear that? Just chip in. We don't need big donations but we all of those smaller donations are going to make a sort of a big target of $2,500 that we're aiming for. Um, so that was Peter Sainsbury, and I'll link his article in the show notes. Now we're going to have a song that was sent in by Lock the Gate Alliance, which is another formidable client action group, um, and they sent me this song, um, which we're going to hear now, called Warrior.
Now here's a real treat, a song called Warrior, sung by Meraki Main. It's in the Environmental Music Prize competition, and I think it's hypnotic. Nick Clyde from Lock the Gate Alliance sent it to me. He says Meraki was 15 when they joined the Bentley blockade. And if you watch the video on our podcast page at Climate Action 3CR later, you will see the Lismore flood and scenes from that triumphant blockade. But the music stands alone. I love those people. And just like the forest protectors, they have been taking climate action for decades. So here's Warrior by Meraki May. Thousands of students across Australia will join millions around the world striking for political action on change. We are the voices of nature. The sea slowly rising, we're slowly dying underneath the red hot sun. Come, little darling, walk with me all along the red hot ground. The sea slowly rising, we're slowly dying underneath the red hot sun. Come, little darling, walk with me all along the red hot ground. See slowly rising, we're slowly dying underneath the red hot sun. And the ground that you walk upon's got nothing left to lose. So shake it till she breaks it into pieces and you'll blame it on another cause you've been fighting for. You're dying and we know that you are lying when you say you don't know Oh
donating to Radiothon today. Uh, people keep calling in, and some from Melbourne are Meg Clancy and Dr Elizabeth Bolton, plus Greg Siegel, who is... Oh, I won't say much about Greg Siegel, but he is like that emergency doctor we had before, very calm in a stressful situation, and his deal is tech calmness. So thank you very much, Greg. Also, Laura Carmody from Hobart. And a special thanks to our most helpful listener, Babette. She sends in a donation and she also gives me feedback every week. Just a few lines to say what went well, what didn't go well, and she gives me some great ideas. That's gold. Now we're off to Canada. Our next guest is Alex Smith in Canada. He's the host of Radio EcoShock. It has a huge following at Radio 3CR and I believe 60 other stations around the world. So welcome, Alex, to our Radiothon show. I'm delighted to see you. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty well under the circumstances. There's just so much hard news to report, but it's great to be with you in Australia. I can tell you that. Yeah, well, we've got a lot in common. Um, first of all, I want to start talking about the fires in Canada. I think you've just had rain. You know, we have a lot in common. Australia has the same cycle of, you know, fires, drought, fires, then rain. And uh, flooding rain and I believe some of our firefighters from Australia have gone over to help in Alberta and you know it's unprecedented state of emergency type fires in Alberta which we understand because your Canadian firefighters came to help us in the black summer fires so we've got a lot in common but I want to know how ready do you think both countries are to face the, one of the triggers of these fires, the tar sands, the coal and oil in Australia, the, you know, the gas mining. How ready are people in Canada, like Australia, to talk about it? I feel they've still got their fingers in their ears. Absolutely. The Canadian government is funding an expansion of a pipeline uh, costing about $42 billion to uh, pump tar sands oil out to the port of Vancouver. The people of Vancouver don't want those super tankers coming in one a day, so it's quite a fight there. But parts of Canada are burning that were never really known for forest fires and certainly not in May. And this is in Quebec, where they had over 150 wildfires this week. Uh, the smoke has fluttered all over parts of eastern Canada. And then at the very eastern edge of Canada, Nova Scotia, they had huge fires and houses were burned. They've just never seen anything like it. I'm getting fairly old. I've never seen anything like it in my lifetime. Yeah. But what about the public discussion? You said you know, they're pushing ahead. The banks are pushing ahead. You did an excellent interview with someone about the banking loopholes that are being used to go on financing these projects. Absolutely. And it's the same in Australia. It's it's really difficult to stop this sort of multinational corporate engine that's based on trillions in profits and uh, whole countries depend on it, as you know, whether it's Australia or the United States, Canada, but Saudi Arabia and all the Middle Eastern countries. Just they're never going to give up those profits unless we get some people action and people power. So I'm very grateful to 3CR for getting this show out there because the, the mainstream media won't cover it. They're too connected to the oil, gas and coal industries one way or another. Yeah, well, that was my next question. 
you know, the huge difference between the mainstream media and the community media, even though the mainstream media are talking about climate change a lot now, they're not talking about climate action. You know, I was the only one outside a bank demonstration last week. You know, people circled the whole bank, this one that's fueling. And there were no no TV cameras there, no other people with a microphone. So I don't think they want to know. They've got their fingers in their ears. And the mainstream media, um, even though they say they're very conscious of climate change now, don't seem to be getting it. What's wrong with the storytelling that they do, do you think? Well, they're big corporations, too, and they depend on their advertisers, and their advertisers are largely either dependent on fossil fuels or fossil fuel companies themselves. I wanted to ask you, Vivian, are the Australian media really covering the massive heat waves that struck in Asia this spring? I mean, Shanghai just set its record heat a few days ago. They're covering it, but it's not the front page. It's not front of mind. It's certainly not on television. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing to watch for is they're really pumping the El Nino situation that we're going to go into an El Nino this year. And that generally does lead to more of a fire season in Australia. So it is a big worry. But when we talked to Kevin Trenberth in Australia, a super scientist, uh, actually, no, he's not in Australia. He's in New Zealand. New Zealand, yeah. Well, and uh, he said that really the story now is global warming. It is the change in the atmosphere. That's overwhelmed El Nino and La Nina. Those things are still important, but what's driving our weather now is just all the fossil fuel gases we put up into the atmosphere. It seems a tragedy to me because it's not for lack of words and people talking about it, even people in governments, but it's all kind of greenwashed. It's all pulling the punches. It's not appropriate for the actual problem that we've got. What are the main kind of themes that have come up for you lately? You've been reporting mostly for or most a lot from scientists and a lot of those scientists, it's very specialised and quite hard to, for me, quite hard to follow, but you give them a bridge to mainstream people. But what, what themes are coming out for the scientists, do you think? I think there's two huge stories and they happen at either end of the world. One is from Antarctica and the Southern Ocean down in, in your part of the world. And, and there we talked with Professor Matthew England from University of New South Wales. And he's explained a difficult topic that the bottom water overturning, the whole big engine that powers ocean currents around the world is weakening. And that's a major, major story and the public hasn't got it. And I do fault along with you, the, the mainstream media for not getting this through as hard as it might be that if those ocean currents stop and they have stopped in the past well for example england would become more like iceland that's a big one the other one is that just came out in the last couple of days is scientists uh, in germany are reporting that the arctic summer sea ice will disappear within the next 10 years no matter what we do about emissions now it is actually too late to stop that massive change and I don't think people are really aware of, of what that means. No, I think they think of the positive side of it, that people will move north, that crops will move north, species will move north, not realising the attrition. Uh, I can tell you as a Canadian, that just doesn't work. Uh, when you move further north, the soil isn't there. It's very acidic, it's very thin, and there's a lot of rock and bogs. Uh, we're not going to be wheat farming up in the, in the northwest territories of Canada. So... I don't know exactly what's going to happen. Food supply is definitely something we all have to watch. And I know you in Australia are always on top of that. Yeah. Alex, I'm sorry to cut it short because we, this is Radiothon. Could you just speak to listeners about the value of donating 
to community radio. You, you're involved with quite a lot of community stations all around the world. So what's the value in, yes, in we're, donating? We're over, we're over, we're over 100 stations now uh, broadcasting Radio EcoShock, but only nonprofit radio really will let us talk to the scientists and see what really is being said and, and to confront the awful truth. So we need people power. We need listeners being generous even in hard times, it just takes a little to keep this free broadcasting on the air like 3CR. And corporations make billions or even trillions. We just need a few thousand dollars from listeners during this drive to keep the reality uh, on the air, on the radio. That's true. It's It doesn't cost a huge amount. And, and uh, so much volunteering goodwill goes into it. And like me, I find it very energizing and thrilling to do this, despite the grimness of what we're reporting. And I wondered, do you, just to finish, do you find something thrilling and energizing? You can, I can hear it in your voice that you love talking to those scientists. Is there something about this era that we're living in that you find also quite exciting? Oh, absolutely. And it's partly because climate change is forcing us to, well, there's hundreds of thousands of scientists now working on this problem, and we're finding out how the world actually works. Even in the unseen places in the deepest oceans or the top of the atmosphere. And I think it's exciting for humans to become conscious of where they are and what's happened in the past as well. Fantastic. Good on you, Alex. Thank you very much for talking to us today and keep going with EcoShock. Thanks for having me, Vivian. Well, now back to me. And we've got the next guest online. Her name's Nicolette Buller. She's with us from the Smart Energy Council. She has the best title I think I've ever seen, which is expert on the electrification of everything. And she's got a long history in the financing of clean energy. She stood as an independent in the last federal election. So welcome, Nicolette. How does community radio give a platform to new people and new ideas in this time of tradition, transition, according to you? Oh, thanks for having me. So... <laughs> Independent and alternative media is so important because it's by the community for the community. It's not tilted and tainted by special interests, um, particularly corporate interests. And that's when we're talking about climate solutions, absolutely important. I've also, I'm not particularly young, I've been around the track for a while, um, 30 years in climate policy. And the traditional media, even like the ABC, feels compelled to have this this trap about presenting a, and I'm doing air quotes, um, listeners, balanced view. Um, and when it comes to climate, it's it's just no longer necessary to talk about basically um, balanced view when 90% of people are well and truly on the way to wanting a safe climate, uh, lower cost energy and more decentralised energy that they have control over, which is what renewable energy provides for communities. So... Being have, having alternative media gives the opportunity for us just to get down as community and talk about the things that we value. Um, we can talk about the science of the day and we can talk about the norms, if you like, that we have so we can get on and be part of the solution. And that's so important to get a sense of agency about our future, particularly for young people. Um, and listening to your show, I particularly like, um, I suppose, uh, the the curiosity um, and also some of the cut through and the, I suppose, really creative and courageous people that you have on 
Um, and when you have mainstream media, you just don't get necessarily, you get those sort of sound bites and the, you know, the, the one minute line response while you get a really good interaction and communication with people on, on your show. So that's why it's really important to have alternative media. Yeah, and I'm sorry it's only short with you today. I'll, I'll come back to you in a later program because it's very important what you're doing at the Smart Energy Council. Just tell us now briefly about the electrification of everything. Right, so um, we work principally at a federal level in um, advocacy work. On, on a, We're a charity and we work on behalf of about 950 members. They're mostly small and medium enterprises. They're could be solar installers right through to um, people who want to sell electric charging stations or battery energy storage, even green hydrogen. So what we're doing is we are <laughs> pushing against a mountain of other special interests, particularly the incumbent fossil fuel industry, and turning up in Canberra time after time when there's programs, there's laws that are being introduced um, to have the interest of the smart energy industry and really, frankly, the energy consumer and clean energy industry more broadly um, on the table because we might turn up one or two days in a year and the um, oil, gas and coal industry is in Parliament House almost every day. So we do a lot of advocacy work by taking our members into meet with particularly um, elected members of Parliament so that they can get first-hand input from people um, in terms of the, uh, about the issues that impact them in the industry for the policies that they make and the laws that they make um, decisions about in Parliament. Um, so, yes, it's, it's energy efficiency, it's smart energy and renewable energy. Um, and one thing that we're really keen on at the Smart Energy Council is making sure that as we roll out this incredibly exciting nation-building project around re-industrialising our economy... We make so much of that effort here locally in Australia, the largest extent possible manufacture here, that we don't increase inequality. We want to make sure we prioritise um, low um, and uh, low income earners first, and those living in public and community housing. And we want to make sure, um, of course, that we pass on all of the energy savings to consumers where possible. So that's kind of our gig. It's a long one. We're in it for the long haul. It's probably going to take a good 20 to 30 years to deliver it well, um, but that's what we're up to. Yeah. Well, look, many corporations are called climate criminals. I've had many, you know, guests from Bangladesh and places around the world say, oh, Australia is a climate... Australia is a climate criminal for our exports, but there are these big companies, multinational companies, and the banks seem to be creating loopholes to finance them. And I've met many young people who are quite frantic because coal, oil and gas are continuing as if there's a gold rush on. And I'd like to know, what do you say to those young people? Yeah, and um, Putin's invasion of the Ukraine has also not been helpful in terms of the continuity of the peak of that oil, coal and gas, uh, particularly here gas and coal exports from Australia. I think what I want to say to the young people is that we are very um, alert to the opportunities for Australia to value add to our minerals and resources industry. So we still want to have a really vibrant export um, industry and we know we have to walk together with First Australians in, in the opportunities and the benefits from that as well. And we want to value add. So before we export, say, bauxite or you know, maybe in, it'll be made into aluminium in another country or um, 
or iron ore where it gets made into steel in South Korea or even um, some of the lithium that might go into China where it gets made into, um, I suppose, a lithium um, substitute goes into battery storage and what have you. We want to actually put our renewable energy into value-adding into this process first before we export. So in the case of iron ore, for example, if we put um, if we make them into pellets, we're putting one or two steps into that process before we export, and we can do all of that with solar and wind energy. We have such an abundant opportunity for renewable energy in Australia, and we have an amazing opportunity to export embodied renewable, renewable energy into the resources that everyone in the globe needs to electrify in a very efficient and sustainable way. Yeah. Well, if you get into Parliament next time, what climate action do you want government to invest in? You're knowledgeable about finance and you can see this future, but there's, you know, still they're still being uh, donated to by the fossil fuels and so on. What if you were in Parliament? What will you do to change that stream of money? That's, that's a really great question. And before I decided to run for Parliament, I did sort of weigh up how much influence I could have staying in finance rather than moving into um, the elected political side or public office. And I think so much of why Australia is such a dinosaur and such a laggard on this is because of the, you know, the tentacles that big business, particularly uh, the fossil fuel sector, has with the people in Parliament, particularly in the major parties. And I think that's why the independents um, and, and the Greens as well in places like Brisbane had such a sensational outcome in the last federal election in May last year because I think people have just said enough's enough. We want, we want integrity back in decision-making in Parliament. We want climate action um, and not just sort of lining the pockets of, of the industries from last century. It is, and it goes right down to our, our national security, frankly, um, our energy security, our productivity for our economy to be efficient and clean. And it's just such a fantastic opportunity, as I mentioned before, to reindustrialise our economy. So if I'm elected, cleaning up things like donation campaign, um, political campaign, uh, donations and spending is a really key part. Um, greater transparency in decisions that are made as well. And particularly the jobs for the boys is something I'd like to end. And I don't mean just boys, but <laughs> jobs for mates, right? So um, there tends to be a lot of people after political office that get put onto the boards of these public institutions that are, are there to, to provide supervisory roles and governance and regulatory roles over the really key parts of, of decision-making around their energy networks and so forth. They have to be done on merit and they can't just be through sliding doors out of parliament into crushed right. jobs. So those are some of the things I'd like to get done. Okay. Well, thanks, Nicolette. Would you like to just give a call out to listeners to donate to Radiothon? Oh, absolutely. Um, donate. It, tiniest donations can go a very long way. And um, for 3CR, this is absolutely key. Um, volunteering is great. And thank you so much for volunteering as well. Again. <laughs> we, but, um, <laughs> we all turn up. It's just like the community independence as well. Um, what as much or as little as, little as you can manage is, is going to help. So please donate today and let's support alternative media. Thank you. Right. Okay. Thank you very much. And that was Nicolette Buller from the Smart Energy Council, which is a, a great friend of this show. We've often spoken to people from their conference.
on the radio. It's not too late to phone in donations, listeners, five minutes to go on the clock. Uh, but if you can't get through on 03-9419-8377, if you just can't get through, please go to the 3CR website uh, where you'll find all the details under the Donate button or tomorrow morning phone the office and make a donation. I'm hoping we're going to reach our target. I'm sure we're up near the $2,000 mark. We just need that extra $500. So I'd like to thank the 3CR staff who helped me get this show to air. I love being live on air compared to the hours doing Zoom and editing up here in Sydney. Uh, but still, that's the way it is. And this has been a great, great show for me. So thank you, Rachel, Juliet and Michaela. Next week, I will read the names on there of people I couldn't get to tonight. So stay tuned for Lost in Science. And meanwhile, my name is Vivian Langford. Good night and good luck. Did you know that each donation over $2 you make to 3CR's Radiothon is tax deductible? That means that when you're doing your tax return business, you can claim your 3CR donation as a legitimate tax deduction. To make a pledge to this year's Radiothon, call the station on 9419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au/donate. CR. Stay tuned. Stay radical. This is coal. Don't be afraid. The Don't treasure. be scared. It's coal. It's coal. It's coal. Tune in every Monday at 5pm to hear the Climate Action Radio Show. American military has unfettered access to any base in Australia. And really, we need a massive global campaign to drive the private sector out of the arms industry. It is insane that we have the largest industry in the world where there is a private vested interest in what? War. We want peace. We want to respect people in other countries, not to invade their countries. What it does do is put Australia in America's front line against China. This is a war that they're actually gearing up for. It's just awful to even say that. Building nuclear submarines is an act of aggression and war. No to war. No to nuclear submarines. No to AUKUS. 3CR Radiothon. Show your support during June 2023. 3CR. Stay tuned. Stay radical. Your donation to 
do so, go to www.recr.org.au. People remember the good things that you do. The world will embrace you like I always do. Stay tuned. Stay radical. Stay tuned. Stay radical. sold 578 hectares of public land to private developers. They're building private public partnership model housing over public housing land and it's just not on. Housing is just massively expensive. It's never been effective in this country to rely on the market to provide decent housing for people. Rent has risen by 21%. That's median rent across the country as of January this year. As the rents keep rising, so must we. And we must stand together as a collective because this war cannot be won by the few. It will only be victorious by the many. 3CR, stay tuned, stay radical. We can't do it without you. It's easy. Head to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate. Your donation really matters. Disabled people are worth every bloody penny. I'm okay. We're spending money on the supports that we need. There's more than 400,000 people who should be on the DSP, but are on job seeker instead. I've got a life to live. I've got commitment. Like everybody has in society. The only way to provide meaningful support is stronger grassroots movements. These institutions are never going to be our saviour. If everyone was the same, it would be a boring old world we live in. We need to do a lot of work in this country around shifting community attitudes towards people that don't fit the white, able, straight, cisgendered person. 3CR Radiothon 2023. Stay tuned. Stay radical. To donate, call 039 419 8377 or donate online at 3cr.org.au. Hi, I'm Bridget Allen. I'm Marlon Cini. I'm Jake Hamill. And you're listening to 